Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Unplayable Podcast, proudly brought to you by MasterCard. And on this episode, we recap not only one of the greatest Ashes Test matches ever, but one of the greatest tests of all time after England beat Australia by one week ahead of Thanks to Ben Stokes' heroics here to help us recap all that is uh, cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey. And Rambo, can you just sum up what we've just witnessed? An incredible day's play at Headingley. Uh, I can sum it up by saying England won by one wicket. Yeah, that sums it up, doesn't it? That sums it up. How about the emotions, the vibes, the feeling around it all? I mean, it's such a tense, pulsating day of cricket. Extraordinary, isn't it? Like you, There were so many points during the day where you thought, I think I know where this is going. Um, and then suddenly, you, within 10 minutes, you proved wrong or you mm. it, it turned around. Uh, someone likened it to one of those low, shallow draft jet boats that spin around and change <laughs> direction uh, on virtually a... a Drawing pin. Um, yes, and you'd have to think that when England were nine wickets down, needing 73 runs to win, everyone suddenly thought they knew what was going to happen. Mm. There's no way that they could get those runs on that pitch against that attack at that stage of the game with no wickets in the shed. Um, but someone forgot to tell Ben Stokes that. They did, and he scored one of the most magnificent hundreds you'll ever see, 135. He crawled to 50 off 152 balls. He ended up facing 219 deliveries, hit 11 fours and eight breathtaking sixes. Um, before we get into the match, let's talk about our MasterCard moment, Rambo. Just of day four, um, Ben Stokes, you're going to take one from his innings. I mean, so many to choose from, but you've somehow narrowed it down to one. There was, in 330 minutes, there was a couple of eventful moments and some that even Ben Stokes only could believe. But I've gone for the switch hit six that he hit off Nathan Lyon. Sorry, Nathan, if you're listening. Um, it was just one of those extraordinary points of the match where you know, the total was starting to look reasonably gettable, mm-hmm. well, even your sort of wild imagination. And he just thought the only gap in the field was a sort of backward point and he launched into this switch hit, fell over in the process of hitting it, and it's gone about four rows back into the crowd. Uh, extraordinary. That was the, in the Western Terrace. Very vocal at that point, weren't they? It was they, extraordinary. They were. It was a hot day in Leeds, and I think a lot of them were keeping their fluids up, which is always sensible, but some of them weren't so sensible by that point. No, no. Well, my MasterCard moment, uh, again, you really can't look past Stokes, but during the middle of the day, uh, Travis Head pulled off a fantastic run out to dismiss Joss Butler, uh, Ben Stokes has sent him back and Travis Head at mid-wicket has swooped on the ball, picked it up, thrown it under arm and hit the, just hit the uh, the stumps for the bales to come off. Uh, that was a massive moment in the game. I actually thought when Head pulled that off, um, in those games where you see everyone contribute, for Head to do that, uh, I just thought the Aussies have got it, but not to be. Especially Butler, such a key player to dismiss him for one it wasn't to be, but it was a fantastic piece of footing. Head also took a great catch on the boundary yeah, uh, to dismiss um, Jofra Archer. Took it, 
threw the ball up, took one step over the boundary and then uh, clicked the ball when he was back safely in the field. So a great day in the field for Head. But Australia just uh, wasn't enough. No. The, the, the Travis Head moment actually be, may have worked both ways because perhaps that was the moment that Ben Stokes, having burned his partner quite badly there, thought, mm. I need to win this game here to uh, redeem myself because, as you say, that looked like the point when all hope was lost. Uh, and also Travis's catch-off, Joffre, he was uh, swinging the bat willy-nilly and people thought... How irresponsible of Joffre not to just try and knock the ball around and get them close to the target. Little did we know that uh, there was some bigger swinging not far away. It certainly was. Let's quickly recap. Up to day four, uh, Australia sent into bat 179 all out. Uh, Manus Labuschagne, 74 in that innings uh, with Joffre Archer taking 6 for 45 on a very overcast, cloudy day in very, very good bowling conditions. And then when the sun came out on day two, England got rolled for 67. No one could really believe that. Josh Hazel took 5 for 30. Pat Cummins 3 for... Uh, Joe Denley's 12 was the top score. I think it was the lowest top score in Test history. Certainly Ashes history. Amazing. So Australia had a 112-run lead heading into the second innings. Then they made 246. Manus Labuschagne again, top scoring with 80. The wickets were shared around by England, which left 359 to chase Rambo. At stumps on day three, England had moved to three for 156. So on day four, as we entered uh, Headingley on a Sunday, they needed, England needed 203. Australia needed seven wickets. And uh, England lost their captain early to a remarkable catch by David Warner. He's sixth in the game. Nathan Lyon with a wicket. It's just a... Uh, Roots skipped down, tried to chip it over, um, chip it through mid-wicket, inside edge, onto his pad, ballooned over Payne's head. Warner's taken a fantastic catch, diving to his left behind the gloveman. And we thought, well, it's starting to look like Australia's day, but uh, there was just so many twists and turns in this match. Uh, it was a bit like the Adelaide test from a few years ago when England had a very similar target on the last day. And Joe Root was over, not out overnight and was dismissed the next morning without adding to his score and they fell in a heap after that and were fairly easily beaten. So I think people who were looking for portents probably looked at that one and thought, uh, this is, we've seen this before. And also, if you're a student of history, I think you know, this is... I don't think any team, any England team has chased 359 in the fourth innings to win a test. No. Nope. There's no uh, team in more than 100 years that's been bowled out for 67 in their first innings and won a test. And I don't think England have put together a final wicket partnership of more than 39 in the last 110 years to win a test. So with all those things, you'd have to think stats are a load of rubbish, aren't they? <laughs> yes, and it was just their day, wasn't it? So Right, so Root was out. Then uh, they took the new ball after 80.2 overs and everyone sort of said coming into this day that that was going to be the crucial moment of the match. Uh, the second new ball... Pitch wasn't doing much, very flat. Uh, the, that uh, first new ball um, deflated pretty quickly and there wasn't a whole lot on offer. But the second new ball brought a lot of runs for Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow. The talk on the end of day, at the end of day three was that you wanted to have the two set batsmen there when the second new ball was taken because it would be very hard to, if you're a fresh batsman in against uh, bowlers who were refreshed overnight. You know, Pat Cummins hadn't bowled at all when the new ball was taken or a couple of deliveries. Um, Josh Hazel would have bowled a couple of overs, so they were fresh, steaming in. Um, and Johnny Bairstow just stood up and said, I'm not going to cop this. He's played shots from pretty much from ball one, and suddenly they were scoring at one-day pace. They were, I think for the first 10 overs with the second new ball, they scored 63 runs without losing a wicket, England. Mm. Mm. 
Then it sort of took another twist, didn't it? Uh, Johnny Bairstow out, caught at second set by Lava Shane, playing a cut shot to a very wide ball from Josh Hayeswood, a bad shot in the end. Uh, Butler was then barbecued by Stokes, sent back and run out by head. And Chris Wokes hit a full ball straight to uh, Matt Wade at mid-off. They lost three wickets there for, for not many, and England were... Um, 261 uh, for 7 still 98 runs away and then Joffrey Archer comes in and starts swinging he's not one to block is he Joffrey took on the took on the attack whether it be short or spin and uh, got away with it to some degree yes uh, and there was actually there wasn't much chat between him and Ben Stokes at that point uh, Joffrey was clearly uh, dis- he was targeted with some short stuff by the, the quicks but then when Nathan Lyon was bowling from the other end he decided well I'm going to I'm going to go after you and he hit two in and over that cleared the infield, didn't quite make it to the fielders in the deep and went for four. And then off the last ball of that over, he decided to go for a third one, which uh, Travis Head caught, as you mentioned. And you thought then, well, that seemed a bit silly. that they were He was landing them all right, but did he have to play three big, expansive shots and over? And Stokes didn't seem to be counselling him in between to say, come on, let's just uh, see if we can get these sensibly. Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe that was the plan. Stokes to try and bat through and Archer just to try and get as many runs as he could as quickly as possible. Uh, but then two balls later, James Pattinson had his good friend still brought out for a second ball duck. LBW Broad reviewed it, but I was pretty much hitting him on the full and it was uh, a waste to review, one in hope more than anything. So with that, nine down, 73 to win. And that's when Ben Stokes upped the ante. He hit four sixes in quick time. The third of those, the third off line, was that audacious reverse... Uh, was it a reverse sweep or a switch hit? I think it was a switch I hit. I don't know what's it? the difference between a reverse sweep and a switch hit. A reverse sweep is one that doesn't go for six, I imagine. <laughs> well, the reverse sweep is... Uh, feet are the same, hands change around, but did he completely change his stance? That's a switch hit. I'd have to go back and check the footage. I didn't just know he ended up in a heap on the pitch. I think it was a switch hit. It was amazing. It was incredible... Um, Nobody could really believe it. And then the, the, the fourth six of that quartet was a, uh, a ramp shot of Pat Cummins. He tried at the ball before, missed it, nearly got bowled, and then backed it up again the next delivery and went uh, straight fine leg for six. Amazing. So he's gone He's gone crazy there. Um, four sixes in quick succession. It's moved him up to 96, and this is when the missed chances started. Uh, he did have a life on 33, Rambo, when he edged Nathan Lyon to David Warner at first slip, but that was a very tough chance, wasn't it? Uh, went pretty quickly, pretty low, and it was one of those instinctive dives, and he got his fingertip to it, I think, was rather like the one that snuck past him at Lord's in the previous test off mm. Stokes, who then went on to make 100. So there, those half chances at a batsman of that calibre, as one of our friends would like to say, yes. um, need to be taken. Yes. Well, this one on 96, he's tucked Cummins around the corner, taken off for two. Uh, Jack Leach, the number 11, backing up a long way. He's uh, going to make it comfortably. So Marcus Harris is running in, but as uh, Stokes is turning at the non-strikers and he sort of slips and stumbles, and Harris throws to the wrong end. He throws to the bowler's end. Thinking that Leach was the slower of the two. Yeah, um, but Stokes would have been well out of his ground if they had thrown to Tim Payne at the striker's end. So he would have been out for 97, and then the next over brings up his 100 with a... He just blazes uh, Josh Hayeswood through to the leg side, through down to Cow Corner, and didn't celebrate, did he? No, no, there was no uh, bat raising. Same as when he reached 50, there was no bat raising acknowledgement. It was sort of head down, grim face, job's not done, um, which uh, Joe Root was asked about that at the uh, end of the day, and he said that's just the player he is. He's, he is the ultimate team man, and he 
picks up other players and carries them with him. Not literally, like he doesn't no. take them, he doesn't lift them home to the hotel at the end of the day, but uh, he metaphorically carries them along with him. Yes, there was a 19 run over by the end of it off Hazelwood. Uh, Stokes hitting another couple of sixes off off the big right-hander. Um, and by this stage, the field spread, like, apart yeah. from the wicketkeeper and I think well, there's one person, was there a slip? Might have been. I think Warner was pretty much a slip for most of it. Uh, and the rest of them were on the boundary rope, which, of course, you can't do in one-day cricket. So not only was the degree of difficulty greater than white ball game because you've got the, uh, more fielders on the fence, but also you're on a day four pitch uh, and you can bowl bounces and you can mm. do whatever you like. So that added to the extraordinarity factor. <laughs> it certainly did. Do we think at that point has Aussie started to panic? Uh, Tim Payne said they didn't panic, but there was... There were definitely nerves, and you can understand that. The total was not just coming down, but coming down in huge incremental mm. jumps um, with every six. And suddenly, you know, the, from needing 50, they went to needing you know, 25 in virtually the blink of an eye. And that's when the fielder started. And that, it wasn't just him hitting the ball into and over the fence. He was very cleverly knocking the ball into gaps and knowing you could get two as fielders were so far spread and as they sort of charged in and there was the occasional fumble and, like you said, the throw to the wrong end. So there was a... It was almost like a bit of shell shock. They didn't quite mm. know where to bowl, where he was going to hit them, how to stop them when he did hit them. It was. Uh, it seemed to snowball from there. Right. After that, uh, over from Hazelwood, the equation was 18 runs to win by England... Uh, one wicket for Australia. Uh, Stokes and Leach had put on 50 and less than seven overs and Leach hadn't scored a run then and then more chances went begging after that. Uh, Pat Cummins bowling from the football stand end. Uh, Stokes has gone for a big hoik, top edge down to third man. Harris has run in, uh, put in a big dive, but it's sort of just gone through his hands, so he's had a let off there. A um, couple balls later, uh, Cummins has bowled a short ball. Stokes has pulled it out to deep mid-wicket. Warner scrambled to his left, put in a dive himself. The ball's just bounced beyond him. Uh, that would have been an extraordinary catch. I think he would have to go one-handed to get that. But four more to Stokes. Um, it was just moment after moment at that point. And then in the last ball that over, Pat Cummins has bowled a, a full ball outside leg stump, uh, clearly pitching outside leg. And Payne and Cummins have come together. And then Payne's just thrown it upstairs for review and burnt one, which was their last one. Uh, yes, he did reveal at the end of the game that uh, he wasn't sure if it had pitched outside leg so he uh, asked the bowler um, mm. and the bowler wasn't sure if he'd hit it or not uh, so Payne was pretty sure that the ball hadn't made contact with the bat so he could rule that one out and there wasn't absolute clarity on whether it pitched outside leg or not so they just I think by their own admission rolled the dice on that that was a bit of a guess um, and it proved to be a uh, a bad guess, um, which is not unusual with their reviews in this series. They haven't been great at them, it's got to be said. Yes, I mean, Payne have admitted that, um, and we're going to get to this in a little bit uh, about umpiring and things like that, but he can't really be critical of umpires because he's got all those reviews wrong as well. So it came down to eight over eight runs left with Nathan Lyon bowling. Um, lots of rough outside the left-handers off stump. Nathan Lyon has thrown a ball out there, bowled a ball. Nathan Lyon doesn't throw it. Tossed a, uh, an off-break out there. Ben Stokes has taken a bait and creamed it down um, long off. And Manus Labuschagne is on the boundary there. Josh Hayes would have been feeling a long off. Labuschagne now finds himself there, puts in the big jump, just goes over his fingertips. If Hayes would 
would have got there, we won't know. But just another slice of luck for Stokes. Then it became two to win, and this is when the real the real drama happened. This it got is, really dramatic, then, didn't it? It only yeah. been you know. Where were we on the drama scale? Nine point five out of ten dramatic up to that point. Yeah. This is a spinal tap. This went to eleven. It was. Uh, this was just unbelievable. Uh, Lions by one on the stumps. Stakes has gone for the reverse sweep. He's hit it to Cummins at backward point. Leach has taken off. Cummins has thrown it to Lyon, the bowler, who's fumbled the ball. All he had to do was take that catch. At this point, Jack Leach is about halfway down the pitch and scuttling back, thinking uh, he's lost the game. All, all Lyon had to do was collect that ball and take the bales off, and that was it. Test match over, but it wasn't to be, and Lyon just devastated. And all the Australians were, and that's when you thought, I mean, Watching that round, but do you think that was their last chance? I do think that was probably the game there and then. I think uh, Nathan Lyon probably thought that too. And how he actually went back and bowled the next ball is a, is a great testament to him. Yeah, and that ball, where are we up now in the drama? We're at 11. This is, goes at a, a, I think we're a, in, the, a, in the early teens. Another notch, yes. Uh, another one on middle stump, spins. Stokes goes for the conventional sweep this time, misses it. Huge appeal. Everybody appeals on the Nathan field. Lyon's flat on his back on the pitch appealing. He's begging umpire Joel Wilson to give that out. Uh, Australia have no reviews left. England had one. Wilson says, not out. The Aussies cannot believe it. Lyon picks himself up. or does Payne pick him up. There was a, everyone needed help at that point. Uh, they all dust themselves off. And in between overs, that was the last ball of the over, in between overs, Ball tracking confirms that that ball pitched in line, impact in line, and would have hit leg stump. It would have been out. Um, so that was a, a wrong decision by umpire Wilson. And even if it had been given out and Stokes had reviewed it, he would have been out. Test match over Australia win by one run. And Stokes would have reviewed it because he thought, he said in his media conference at the end of the day that he felt that it hit his front pad before it hit his back pad and that was sliding down the leg side. So he was convinced that it wasn't out. So they would have gone to DRS, in which case they would have shown that it was hitting and he would have been out too. He would have been out, but they didn't have the review because they burned it the over before. So it just shows you got to... And, you know, for a series that has been marred by so many incorrect umpiring decisions, uh, it's somewhat ironic, I guess, that uh, that decision would come down, that moment would come down to another incorrect decision. The Aussies didn't have a review up their sleeve to use... It's all about the, the getting rid of the howler, and that was won by Wilson. So Stokes survives, goes into the next over, Pat Cummins. Jack Leach still on zero, mind you. Been out there for an hour. Hasn't scored a run, faced 14 balls at this point. And at the end of that over, he's called for the, uh, or pulled a cloth out to uh, wipe his glasses because they were starting to steam up. <laughs> I don't blame him. Uh, it was ex- unbelievable. Uh, so he gets off strike, he gets off the mark. The scores are tied, tucks one around the corner, everyone's up, and the next ball, Pat Cummins just bowls a back of the length delivery outside of Stump, and uh, Stokes mows it through the covers for four. Uh, that's it, game over. The crowd erupts, Stokes erupts. Cue pandemonium. It was something like that, wasn't it? I was waiting for England to storm the field, but the only people that came on the field was um, just this mass of security guards to make sure that no one else would... There were no streakers or the crowd would overflow. But uh, I think people were kind of a bit stunned by, uh, not the result so much, but just the speed at which the game had got there. Um, yeah. It was kind of like uh, everything went into fast forward and then even faster. What do you do on that video when you go to two times, four mm. times, eight times? This was going at about 16 yeah. times normal speed and people were just a little bit stunned when it all finished, I think. We were stunned. It was incredible. Uh, Rambo, you were there in 2005. Has this got a... 
Edgeworth in 2005 feel about it? Uh, the whole series has had a bit of an edge, not a bit of a 2005 feel to it, to be honest, because yeah, that started with Australia winning the first test quite mm. comfortably. Then there was the McGrath injury. We've had the Smith injury, which yep. ruled him out of the test. But the test match without Smith slash McGrath, England have staged this remarkable comeback and snatched victory from the jaws of seeming defeat. Um, at Edgbaston, it was by two runs, I think. Here mm. uh, it's by a wicket. So. And funnily enough, the next test is at Manchester, which I think was where the post-Edgbaston test in 2005 was. So it's got a very hauntingly similar feeling to it. Um, and if that's the case, then that's not good news for Australia. Yeah, no. Well, they drew that game, didn't they, in 2005? At Manchester, they did. Uh, that was a very close that one too. That was epic, wasn't it? Yeah, Ricky Ponting. We might hear from him a little bit later this week. He might be coming on this uh, podcast. But... Uh, where does this leave us now, Rambo? Where does this? It's one all. Uh, series is still very much alive. There's two tests left: Manchester and the Oval. I guess um, that's just looking at it from a numbers perspective. But the feel, the teams. I mean, all the momentum is with England now. We're back to momentum, aren't we? We're back to momentum levels, and it's 100% England, 0% Australia. England, uh, Australia have to go to Derby to play a three-day tour game. England have a couple of days off, and then get ready for Manchester. Can Australia rebound? How do they pick themselves up off the ground of this? Especially someone like Nathan Lyon, who is the singer of the team song. He is the the heart and soul of the team. The heart and soul of the team, and uh, it's been ripped out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, and you, your heart just goes out to to Nathan, really, doesn't it? Like this sort of thing you wouldn't want to wish on anyone. It's like the Herschel Gibbs catch in the '99 World Cup. It's like Michael Kasperwich at Edgbaston, who was given out incorrectly, as it turned out, in that game as well. Um, huh. And you just get the feeling that this is England's summer. I mean, everything that's happened, every game they get into a difficult spot, they find a way out. Every time they can't find a way out, there's another chance, um, whether it's super overs or overthrows or... Uh, drop catches. Drop Throwing catches. to the wrong end. Not even picking up the ball. You just kind of feel that this has been preordained. And so I know I'm not a spiritual man, no. but, uh, as you know. Um, but there is just this feel to it that now... They must have this incredible belief that they can win from anywhere because they keep winning from anywhere. Uh, and that's going to be the difficult thing to arrest, I would have thought. If Australia can find a, a solution to their top order batting woes, given the, the way their bowlers have performed, that would be a huge step forward. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And Australia's bowls got through a lot. 126 overs, effectively, in that second innings, um, in that fourth innings of the game. So... Lots to ponder, lots to get through. Rambo, we're going to be back to review all that and more. Preview the Derby game, preview the bit of the fourth test tomorrow with Ricky Ponny. He'll be very interesting, Ricky. He left some very strong thoughts, he always does, and uh, he was there in the commentary box and saw it all unfold. Yes, and he played in that Manchester game 2005, so he'll be able to regal us with the memories of that game. He played in the Edgbaston test in 2005 and... Uh we know how that ended. <laughs> we know how it started with the toss as well. We know how it started. We'll bring that up with him as well. All right, we're done here. Uh, cricket.com.au is the only place you need to go for all those Ashes highlights, news scores, um, video, everything you need there. So check that out and we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks again to our friends at MasterCard, the Unplayable Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.